The Z-Ball Podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast on a Monday night, a few hours removed from the 2019 NBA Awards, and uh, it's been about a month since we've done one. Uh, Got a lot of stuff to get into after an exciting uh, 2019 NBA Finals, uh, injury riddle 2019 NBA Finals, Uh, a big trade already went down, and we got free agency coming up next week, and just coming off the draft as well a few days ago over the weekend, so... Joining me today, uh, first we have in studio Rebound. What up, Rebound? How you doing? What's up, Z-Ball? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. And then also we have joining us from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. It's been a long time since we've heard from him. Haroon. What up, Haroon? How you doing? Yeah. What's up, Z? I'm doing good. How are you? Chilling, chilling. <coughs> so it's been a long time. I mean, it's been about a month since I've done a podcast, so there's just a lot of stuff has gone on in the NBA. So while it's fresh in our mind, let's let's talk about the award show that just happened tonight. Uh, so what what was your opinion on all the awards that were handed out? Was pretty much what you expected? Uh, yeah, it's pretty much what I expected. But I just want to start off by saying that uh, I think having the awards after the playoffs is a really stupid idea. <laughs> it just takes away all the excitement. About the awards, like, I didn't even care that the show was tonight. And I didn't even know it was tonight (laughs) until I started seeing the Instagram post. So they should go back to doing it how they did before, where they would announce it during the playoffs. Because that way, it it also adds to the excitement, because then it puts uh, a hit marker on the MVP's back, and everyone's trying to go after him. And he has to prove himself, too. Um, and then after the, uh, if it's after the playoffs, it just loses all its excitement. Um, like if you take, for example, the coach of the year, uh, it, uh, Bud won that, right? Milwaukee Bud yep. coach? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he was coach of the year for the regular season, but he completely got out coached by Nick Nurse in the conference finals. So, when you put it after the playoffs, <laughs> it, it it isn't as uh, well done as it used to be. But overall, I think all the awards were done um, pretty fairly, except for MVP. I thought Harden should have won MVP. He averaged 36-7-7 and carried his injury-riddle team to the fourth seed in the conference. Okay, Rebound, what are your thoughts? Uh, anything you... That was unexpected? Nothing was unexpected. Uh, everything was expected, every single award. And I agree with Arun, but the thing is that the reason the NBA does it now in June is because they get more ratings, and it was a whole like thing. Like Shaq was there, Kenny was there, Charles was there. It was a whole TNT show, and they just want uh, better ratings uh, on 
the presentation of the awards. They want to make it a big thing. What 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 about look at the the kind of the dynamic before where the MVP used to have his own press conference and stuff, and now he pretty much has to give uh, an award like it's like a music award show, and you have to give a, a speech right there. So it's kind of like on the spot. You have to wing it, improvise. So <laughs> is that something you kind of enjoyed, Haroon, before? Like from the MVP having his own press conference the day after and stuff. Yeah, I joined that, and I also joined uh, enjoyed um, the MVP. You know, getting the trophy in his home floor in the playoffs, and then he has to go and prove himself. And other teams, the other team has a hit marker on him. You know, they want to prove that they can stop the MVP and beat the MVP. So it adds to the excitement when it's before the play or during the playoffs. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, the war is pretty much expected. Obviously, the Harden Giannis thing was really close. I guess they gave it to Giannis because I think that's the first time, or the first time in a while, that Milwaukee's gone over sixty wins. <laughs> so, I, I guess he's pretty deserving. I mean, I wouldn't have have minded Harden either, either as well. But uh, Harden obviously has been on an incredible run. I mean, he's been in the either runner up or MVP for four or five years or now or something. So, I mean, I, I expect him to fully be in the race next season as well. So we'll see what happens there. But let's we'll move on to the draft. So obviously the first three picks, as we expected, uh, Zion, Jean Morant, and R.J. Barrett. And then after that, maybe a little bit kind of mix up. So w- what did you like from the draft? Did, who, what did you like? Uh, what, who do you think was the, was the big winner of the draft? Uh, I think the Hawks Hawks were a big winner, getting uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Radish. And I also think the steal of the draft was Bol Bol, who fell to the Nuggets in the second round. I think he was like 44 for the 45th pick. Um, I think that's going to be a big steal. And they got a big steal last year as well with Michael Porter Jr. So they're going to get those two guys coming in. Uh, so I think Denver is going to be really deadly because of those two draft picks next year. Yeah, Denver, I mean, already a, a very uh, potent young team with Murray and Jokic. So, I mean, it's gonna obviously they're going to develop now with the experience that they had in last year's playoff run. And then you bring in these young guys and stuff. So they're definitely going to be up, up in, in the running again in the West next season. So what about... Uh, Kind of uh, the New Orleans. I mean, did you like kind of how the obviously Zion that was a no brainer, but did you like kind of their other picks and how do you see them uh, playing moving forward with their young core? Uh, yes, I I like their picks, um, but and they have a really good young core, especially since they got Alonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, um, and they have Julius Randle as well now. Or if they re-sign Julius Randle. So they have a really good young core. Um, but what they lack is shooting. So I think they need to get more shooters. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if this team made the uh, playoffs next season. Okay, so you see them as kind of a borderline playoff team? Yeah. Okay, rebound. What were your, your thoughts on the draft? Anything surprised you? Anything that you thought stood out? Yeah, but as Harun said, Bobo went second round. 
I was expecting it. He was projected to be top five, and then I guess he got injured. I I didn't expect him to fall to the second round. The Nuggets had to trade up to get him. I mean, and I think it was definitely worth it. I was hoping he would fall to my Lakers two picks away, but didn't. But yeah, that was definitely a very surprise. And Kevin Porter Jr., watch out for him. Okay, as far as my end, I mean, I don't, I'm not really big on the draft. I mean, I don't think most of these guys are really going to make an impact in like three year until maybe like three three years from now. So, obviously, the top guys obviously more of it is expected of them, and uh, I expect them to maybe maybe one all star there, one all star appearance between like Zion and Barrett. But we'll see. I mean, so I mean, I just think the draft is just. I mean. Especially nowadays, it takes a lot more time for players to develop for some reason. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. Obviously, last year we were blessed with Luka Doncic. He was already kind of a seasoned professional. But hopefully we have uh, Zion here who can live up to the hype that's surrounding him and show some excitement and give uh, New Orleans something to cheer for. But I guess with that being said, I mean – in regards to obviously something in the in, in regards to the draft, uh, we'll move on from from that into the biggest trade obviously that's happened with Anthony Davis and the Lakers going to the Lakers. Uh, so what was your what's your whole take, Harun, on the front office of the Lakers with the whole accounting error and missing out possibly on ten million dollars of cap space? Yeah, well. Uh there is the $10 million of the cap space, but I think they just didn't want to wait to get Anthony Davis. Uh, I don't, re- I didn't really read too much into it, but uh, I think they just wanted to get the trade done right away. And now they have, they have a good three pieces with LeBron, Anthony Davis. They're both superstars. Anthony Davis is just coming into his prime. And Kuzma is a really good third scoring option. Uh, but now the cap space that they have left, I think it'll be better spent if they use it on getting role players instead of just getting another superstar because they're going to need depth. depth. They already have enough uh, superstar power, I feel like, for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So now instead of going after guys like Kemba Walker or Chris Middleton or something, I feel like they should just go after like three good role players, something like Patrick Beverly. Brooke Lopez, Seth Curry, things like that. And I think that would be a lot better for them. And they have the cap hold on uh, Alex Caruso and Reggie Bullock. I think they got to bring those two guys back because Caruso is a good backup point guard and uh, Reggie Bullock's a pretty decent 3 and D guy. Okay. I mean, and some other guys rebound. What do you think about maybe Danny Green, J.J. Redick? Is that something that the Lakers can kind of pursue at the $9, $10 million range? Yeah, absolutely. If they're $9 or $10 million, I'll take Danny Green over J.J. Redick. Uh, 100%, yeah. And uh, especially since it's, they're going to need shooters around LeBron and AD both. So, yeah, for ten, $9, $10 million, Danny Green, that would be really good. Even though he's really cold in the finals and most of the playoffs, except for that one game in the finals where he hit the six threes. Uh, but he, he is a really streaky shooter, but uh, when he does get going, it's, he's almost impossible to stop. 
Okay, and then I guess in regards to both Anthony Davis and LeBron, obviously for the first time in LeBron's career last season, we saw him go out for an extended period of time. Uh, any signs uh, that we can expect more of that in the future, or or is that just kind of a little blip in the radar for, for LeBron and we see more dominant seasons, at least two or three more? Um, yeah, now you got, if he has a good team around him, I think, uh, I think he is going to be in, uh, the Lakers are going to be contenders for the next three years that he signed, because now he got a full off-season arrest. He's been playing in June for the last eight years, so now he has a full off-season arrest, and they're going to have a deep squad, or a loaded squad this year, so I expect him to play a lot better, and maybe... He even starts uh, following Kawhi's route and resting more games in the regular season, mm-hmm. just to have just to save his body for the playoffs. Like I think Kawhi missed like twenty twenty five games at least this year for load management, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that really helped in the playoffs because he had to carry them. Um, like the Milwaukee series, he was completely carrying them. And I feel like. Him resting that many games in the regular season had a big impact on his ability to carry the team in the conference finals. So I feel like that's something we're going to see a lot more going forward with superstars where the regular season is going to become uh, less entertaining to watch because a lot of these superstars are just going to want to rest and save themselves for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Kawhi having success, that's going to be kind of become more more of a model. Obviously, we saw obviously in the infancy stages we saw with Greg Popovich resting players on nationally televised games. That's kind of the infancy, and it's it's kind of grown since then. And we'll probably see more of it, considering all the also those big injuries we saw in the finals with Clay and Kevin Durant. So, I mean, but going back to the Lakers, uh, so obviously we kind of explored some ideas of what they might do. What do you think they actually happens? Do, do they sign like the knuckleheads they signed last summer, or did they actually get uh, season kind of uh, rotational type players? What do you think, Rebound? I think they got it right. And going back to the Rob Palenka thing, uh, I was watching Colin Coward's show today, The Herd, and he had a guest. Uh, I forgot who it was, but he mentioned that that they didn't, they weren't able to get the trade through by July thirtieth, is because. The team who receives the fourth pick wants that player in, on their team in the summer league. And then if if the Lakers got the pick, they're just going to sit him out in the summer league. They don't want to take the risk of him getting injured, so they couldn't work that out. And like Haroon said, they, they wanted to get the trade done. Like so. And going back to what you said, uh, they're going to get like good players this season. I think last year was just like a filler to see who 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 can fit, who can fit in, and Kuzma was the only one of the young guys that they really liked. That's why they held him off from the trade, and the, all the other guys. I think most of them are gone, but besides Rondo, I think they're gonna bring Rondo back. Okay, I guess kind of going on the other side of that. I mean, did New Orleans? Did any other team really have any like potential offers, Haroon? You think that would? Uh, snag Anthony Davis before the Lakers did. I mean, even if the if the Lakers had decided to wait as after the draft, what do you think? Um, I feel like since I feel like Boston was gonna make a move, but now that the new Kyrie was gonna leave, 
so they didn't want to give up their young guys. Um, uh, uh, and I don't really think any team had had a better package that the Lakers were offering. Okay, so I mean, it was just it was kind of a matter of time, anyways, with the Lakers. I mean, even if it happened mid July, mid August, right? I mean, it was just it was kind of just uh, a matter of time for David Griffin to have to succumb and to the Lakers' demands and eventually trade him, right? So that's kind of where most people, I think, are criticizing Palinka and the Lakers' front office for kind of just uh, giving too much, first of all, and also with the accounting error or the cap blunder that everyone's saying of losing out on an extra $10 million. So is that too much hype or is it too too much of an overreaction to think that? What do you think? Um, yeah, because I feel like they did give up too many picks because they gave up three, three future picks, right? I think like 2023, 20, 24, and 25. No, they, they can swamp. I think for those ones, they can swamp. Swap? Yeah, so it's either... So it's either a swap or it's unprotected. I think like two years is a swap and one year is unprotected. Yeah, one year is unprotected. One year is top eight protected. Oh, okay, okay. One year is top eight protected. Yeah, but the two years where it's unprotected and it's a swap, and that's going to be after LeBron's gone too. So there might be a lottery team, and they could... Even with Anthony Davis? No BOD? Um... Let's see, Anthony Davis will be like, what, 30 then? Yeah, Anthony Davis will be 32 at that point, 32, 33. I mean, at that point, yeah. they're going to have to pair him with another star, right, if he if he's still around and healthy. I mean, that's kind of another thing yeah. with, with Davis. I mean, he's had these little knick-knack injuries throughout the, his entire career. Yeah, that, that, that was going to be my next point was his health. Because he can't seem to stay on the floor for like uh, a long period, uh, long period of games. Getting some sort of injury. Yeah, but like you said, they're going to rest LeBron. They're going to rest Anthony Davis, too. Neither of them are going to play all 82 games. They're going to play like 60 mm-hmm. games. Yeah, but it also depends on how the rest of the roster shapes out because the West is really competitive and um, fighting. They are going to have to fight for a playoff spot if they, if they rest both of them a lot. I mean, they've got to both have to play at least 65 games, in my opinion. Yeah, so. uh, yeah that, that, that's a good number. Um, yeah, but I think for the first time in a few years, like the West is pretty wide open. And uh, another underrated team, I feel like, in the West is uh, the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. So I feel like if they make a move this summer, they could be in contention, too. Um, I was reading an article where I think, I can't remember who said it, but someone was uh, talking about them trading for Kevin Love. I think it was Richard Jefferson. Yeah, it was one of his ex-teammates. I think it was either Jefferson or Channing Fry. Yeah, and I think that would be a really good idea if they traded for Kevin Love. Who would they give up, like, though? Nurkic? No, not Nurkic. They would give up, uh, I think he was saying they should give up their expiring contract. Two of them, one of them was Myers Leonard. And uh, Turner got traded for Cam Bazemore, so they can't. Um, but Cam Bazemore, I believe, is expiring as well, but I don't know if they can trade him. Yeah, but are you, are you think the Cavs would do that? Like, just d- dump out Kevin Love now? And dump yeah, if, uh, if Portland includes, like, a couple of picks, then 
a couple of the young guys, I think they'll do it. Yeah, you would have to think at least one of their young, like Zach Collins, has to be in that trade, right, or something like that. Yeah. So they they give up a young guy and a couple of picks, a couple of first rounders. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Cleveland doing something like that. I mean, Kevin Love has kind of been uh, riddled with injuries as well during his whole uh, Cav Cavalier tenure, even when they were going to the finals with LeBron, and then also, I mean. Even with Kevin Love as their focal focal piece of their offense, I mean, are they even a playoff team? Probably not, right? <laughs> so, so you yeah. you, you take the young assets, yeah. you build around those uh, two guards that you have. Uh, there, I I think they were trying to go for a a Portland type thing, right? Uh, when they got Lillard and McCollum back to back drafts, I think they're trying to do something similar with with Sexton and who was the other one? I forgot was. Who did they draft? I, for- I can't remember who they drafted. What pick did they have? They had like the fifth pick or something, right? Or Was it Kobe White? No, I think he went to the Bulls. No, they drafted the, the guy from uh, Vanderbilt, Darius Gardner, right? Or- yeah, Darius Garland. Yeah, Garland, yeah, yeah. Garner, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's kind of been the talk around the league that they're kind of trying to build like a Portland type model with Lillard and McCollum. So we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, definitely that's, I could see that happening, but I mean, with Portland, obviously their inherent problem is obviously they're built around kind of uh, two small guards or their star players. Like you kind of need, like, as you've seen with the Warriors, versatile type guys who can switch positions on both ends and, I think they're kind of lacking that. So obviously, with Kevin Love, they might get that a little bit. Obviously, he's not a good defender, but he can definitely be versatile offensively. He stretches the floor, so that would be kind of a good addition for for them, and definitely ease some pressure off of McCollum and Lillard. So we'll see what happens there. But I guess Lakers, I think, are what plus two fifty now. Rihanna after the trade, plus three fifty. Plus three fifty. Is that a fair number, Haroon, or is is that something that's going to change after uh, next uh, this coming weekend when we see all the free agency signings go down? Yeah, I think it's definitely going to change because just because there's so many star free agents, like all star free agents, and a lot, I feel like a lot of them are going to move. Um, so. Kawhi has a meeting with the Clippers on July 2nd. Okay, I mean, they can officially start signing Sunday night, I believe, right? Or Yeah, so, so yeah. Sunday Sunday at 3 p.m. our time. So 3 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday, they can officially start signing contracts. So, All right, so Kawhi, I mean, with Kawhi, I mean, it's obviously Clippers or Toronto, right? Yeah, and he ain't going anywhere else. You should... Toronto's the favorite now, according to Vegas. Big favorite. I, I feel like he's going to stay, but uh, you never know. If he's meeting with the Clippers that fast into free agency, um, I feel like he's, he's still undecided. Maybe he's leaning towards Toronto, but if the Clippers can make a good pitch and they have Jerry West, um, then I feel like they could change his mind still. And sell him on uh, their team. Well, what's the Clippers' pitch at this point? I mean, like uh, they're already competitive. Uh, they already have a really good roster. 
So, um, they, I mean, they took the Warriors to six games with Kevin Durant in the first round. They came, they came back from 31 points down on the road. Um, I don't know how much cap space they have. They have, they have a lot of cap space, but they also have a lot of free agents. Yeah, I know. I know. Patrick Beverly is a free agent. Yeah. Um, who else is a free agent? I think they have like forty-two million in cap space, something like that, or, or I could be. It could be a. It could be in the thirties, actually. So. Okay. So yeah. So maybe they're trying to get someone else as well with Kawhi. And uh, yeah, I always have faith in Jay West. So with you with know, Kawhi, obviously we've we've never seen a superstar like free agent top level notch player leave after winning a championship so this could be the first time i mean something like that happens obviously uh it would have been kind of similar with durant obviously the warriors won right i mean a big time elite level free agent uh definitely with a good chance to leave so I mean, is is this going to be kind of the start of something new? I mean, with star players kind of just leaving after winning championships, or what do you think? Uh, I wouldn't say specifically after leaving championships, but I think star players are going to start move, uh, moving and uh, moving a lot, switching teams a lot, and uh, demanding trades a lot, especially after what happened with Isaiah Thomas in Boston. And, like, it just goes to show you that the franchise doesn't care about the players. So the players should always do what's best for them, you know, and get the guaranteed money and uh, be in the situation that they want to be. Yeah, but Kawhi's guaranteed the max from the Raptors. Yeah. Um, No, I'm just talking in a general case. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, B.O.D. So yeah. I feel like with that, there's there's going to be a lot more movement in the NBA. Like players, even in the last couple of years, players have been moving a lot. Like if you go take a look back at 2016, three seasons ago, and how different it was with all these players, like Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeRozan, Kawhi, Durant, um, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, LeBron, all. Paul George, all these guys have moved within like the last three years, right, Kyrie? Um, yeah. So I think that is becoming more of a trend where players start to look after themselves more, and rightfully so, right? Because the franchise, uh, like the franchise, doesn't care about them most of the times. Just like what happened to Isaiah Thomas, put his body on the line for Boston, and. Uh, then uh, they didn't even give him the contract that he was supposed to get. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, and in regards to that, kind of like on a similar topic, uh, obviously before we we would never really see a team kind of uh, go all in on a rental type guy unless they had assurance that he was signing some sort of long-term extension or something. Obviously now with the Kawhi success in Toronto, is that something we see more from teams taking a gamble on a guy uh, for a one-year rental and even without the assurance of a long-term extension? Or are the Raptors just kind of a special circumstance just because they were a team that was kind of burned out and was kind of really had reached their, their peak or their ceiling as the core they had with DeRozan, Lowry, and the other guys? What do you think? Well, Toronto is already a really deep team. 
and uh, their, their, I think their, their main problem was uh, um, their coaching. Dwayne Casey, he was always slow and making adjustments, and his rotation sucked. So that's why they could never get far in the play. Hello? Hello? Yeah, definitely. I think trading DeRozan also made Pascal Siakam come out as the most improved player because that gave him more room to kind of play and come out and show his talent. Yeah, for sure. And uh, OKC also took a risk on Paul George when they traded for him. Yeah, absolutely. He said he wanted to go to the Lakers. Um, so I think, I feel like if the team is in the right position... Like, OKC had another superstar to appear in Westbrook with Paul George. And Toronto had a championship team built for a superstar that they got for in Kawhi. They needed that. They just needed a superstar. So I feel like the teams that are, that are just that one superstar away from a championship, they will 100% take the risk now or at least be more, a lot more inclined to than before. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely for sure. I mean, obviously, you remember Kawhi last season. There was a lot of uncertainty around him just with how the whole situation went down with San Antonio, the surgery or the recovery, the San Antonio Spurs medical staff wanting him, clearing him to play, Kawhi's group or Kawhi, uh, Kawhi's team around him saying he's not ready to play. So there's kind of just a lot of, a lot of stuff going on there. And then it was very uh, – a lot of uh, – questions surrounding Kawhi and that's why I think a lot of teams were kind of uh, hesitant I mean I think Boston turned down a package that was centered around Jalen Brown just because of the whole uncertainty and then maybe obviously because of the extension as well so that's kind of like a big thing but obviously yeah Paul George that's definitely a good point I mean he was almost a near certainty to go to LA and play with the Lakers and then Obviously, he fell in love with playing alongside Westbrook and playing with Oklahoma City, and he's. Uh, it's good to see him back at an MVP level after that horrific injury he had in the Olympics and or the one one of those summer FIBA games. So it's good to see him back and back on track. But uh, obviously, uh, is that something that we see something with Kawhi? I mean, he's almost a kind of a lock to go to LA as well. Is he going to stay with the Raptors? Uh, so if you were to pick today, Harun, what do you think he does? Uh, I think he stays with the Raptors, mainly because they won the championship, and I think t- Toronto is a lot more, is a lot better city than a lot of people ex- expect, especially people who aren't from Canada, <laughs> and how the city embraced them, with, uh, and all the love they showed him, and all the extra stuff they're doing, like the Kawhi and Dine, 
and things like that, uh, him getting a key to the city during the parade. So I think they have really won him over, and he's pretty much set on re-signing. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers were to convince him to come over. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's an interesting point. It should be very close between those teams. But, I mean, kind of going, uh, getting a little sidetracked here in regards to Canada, obviously we know the, the national sport is hockey. So how has kind of uh, Kawhi and the Raptors' success, how has that kind of changed that? And what's kind of the environment been throughout Canada? Obviously we know Toronto is humming and parting it up. What's kind of the vibe been in re- the rest of Canada after the Raptors uh, won the championship and beat the Warriors? Yeah, so I think uh, Buzz really started uh, in the conference finals, especially when the Raptors came back and they tied it at two games apiece. I think after that, a lot more people started paying attention. And then it went to a whole other level when they made the finals. Like, in pretty much every province, except for British Columbia, they were showing the finals games at their main hockey stadium. Um and the only reason they didn't do it in British Columbia was because of the 2011 riots when the Canucks made the final. So, but other than that, like, pretty much everyone was talking about it. You know, game day, everyone's getting together, having watch parties, watching it together. And um, when they won, people were celebrating like crazy all throughout Canada. Like, I don't know if she saw the videos or not, but people were just running on the street, um, like, literally everywhere throughout all of Canada. Um, so, yeah, like, it did sweep the nation, the entire final series, especially when they won. Okay, was it equivalent to, I guess, uh, World Cup hockey or Olympic hockey in in terms of that viewing viewpoint in Canada? What do you think? Actually, it wasn't close to Olympic hockey when they were when it was when it happened in 2010 in Vancouver. But for for um, other years, I would say it was it was about the same. But I feel like it would be like I was thinking about it too. Like if Vancouver had a team and it was a Vancouver Toronto finals, I think it would be a lot more uh, intensified. Okay. Yeah. So, like, going to Vancouver, having a team, like, if Ka- if a star player like Kawhi wins the championship in Canada, Toronto, and leaves, like, doesn't that put, like, a bad impression, like, on having a team? Are you trying to convince the NBA to bring a team to Vancouver? Uh, I mean, I think it would more... I think they would more look at like TV ratings and such, and because they don't have a TV deal in Canada, is that that's correct, right? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. They don't have anything in Canada, yeah. So yeah, so that's a lot of untapped viewership, and like finals ratings were crazy. Like I think almost like almost half of Canada was watching that game six, and that's not including like the illegal streams. But so many people use like you oh uh, yeah like me <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so I think this, this is a big opportunity for Canada, uh, for the NBA 
just because of the the untapped viewership that they have in Canada, where they could sign a TV deal here and make more revenue. Um, so I think that it actually does it actually helps Canada in getting another team. Um, I think the one setback for us is going to be uh, the 2011 riots that happened after the Canucks. Nah. I think the more the bigger setback is uh, Seattle not having a team currently. I think, I think that's the first domino for the NBA to get a team back yeah, to but, S- Seattle, and then, and then maybe Vancouver after that. Because I mean, uh, from what I heard, uh, that was a lot of players, a lot of executives' kind of favorite road trip going up to the Northwest and playing against Portland, uh, Seattle, and Vancouver. Maybe in within a span of five days a week, so we'll see. I mean, yeah. yeah and another point on that is, um, I think when Seattle does get a team, it's not going to be a relocation. It's going to be a, an expansion. So they're going to have to add two teams because they'll probably move like Memphis or New Orleans, whichever one's further east, to the Eastern Conference, and then just add two Western Conference teams in Seattle, in, in Vancouver, or maybe even Las Vegas. Yeah, definitely. I mean, now that Las Vegas has a NFL team, I mean, and they just got an NHL team recently, so you got to imagine uh, NBA team is probably next. So, <laughs> so I, I guess going back to some more free agency stuff, obviously <coughs> moving on to the Warriors uh, with their two big uh, – Injury, injury free agents, Clay and uh, Kevin Durant, they obviously most likely 100% signed Clay, correct? Yeah, I feel the same way. They're going to sign Clay for sure to a five-year deal. Okay, and then what, what happens with Durant? Is, he, is it something where he just kind of opts in and kind of re- recovers it with Golden State, or do you see him? Obviously, uh, any, anybody will give him the max. Yeah, that, that's the thing, because Achilles injuries are so deadly for his basketball careers. So I think he's going to take the guaranteed max money wherever he gets it. And um, I've been reading reports, like, just today uh, about him t- discussing uh, possible locations with Kyrie Irving, including the Brooklyn Nets. So I feel like he might end up going to the Nets or he might stay in Golden State in, uh, with a five-year deal, wherever he goes. Okay, obviously we've seen with the Achilles. I think Cousins is the young, youngest guy to have an Achilles injury, I believe. Most of the other guys we've seen are probably like kind of been in their 30s and stuff when they had it. I think Rudy Gay had it when he was maybe like late 20s, I think, or something. Yeah. So, I mean... We haven't really seen a success story, right? I mean, yet. I mean, with that injury, is is Durant kind of going to be the uh, exception to that? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you go way back, Dominique Wilkins is an uh, exception to that. Uh, if you look at it, and um, the year that he tore his Achilles, when he came back, he actually averaged better numbers. So he's the one exception that, that already shows that it can be done. Um, with Durant, I feel like he's still going to come back, and even if he's not the same, he's still going to be really good, just because his shooting ability and his length. 
that he can shoot over anybody. You're not going to lose a shot. And he's still seven feet. So even if he's not 100%, I feel like he'll still be like 80, 85%. Yeah, and the report today said Durant is pissed at the Warriors and he's going to team up and go to the Nets with Kyrie. And he's, according to Vegas, he's favored to sign with Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I think he's going to sign with Brooklyn as well. But I don't know how pissed he is at the Warriors because his own team had to clear him too to play. Um, and I think that was just uh, no one was expecting it. He got cleared from both sides, from his team and the Warriors. So what do you think about that? Do you think, like... It was it was worth it for playing in that game and coming back or like because obviously this injury is a devastating injury to him to the whole NBA. It changed the whole free agency. I mean, even his first injury, like it ch- it changed everything. Yeah, I think uh, I think for the for the Warriors it was worth it because they won that game. And he he, was, he he scored 11 points in like 10 minutes. And they won that game by one. Um, so they got a finals win out of it. Um, but for Durant, yeah, it's totally not worth it. He should have sat out the entire series, I feel like. Um, like even before game five, I guess he... I think he only played because their backs were against the wall. They are down 3-1 on the road. And uh, he's he ultimately at the end of the day, he's a basketball player. And he's a competitor, and he just didn't want to get eliminated, so he just came back and played. Um, but I feel like he, he should have sat out, like even before the game. I was saying that he, he shouldn't play. Um, but I totally wasn't expecting him to tear his Achilles, especially that early in the game. Um, and what happened was, Steve Kerr, even before the game, said they were going to play him in like short, like three, four minute spurts. But he ended up playing like eight, nine straight minutes. Yeah, what happened with that? Like, the you train you like be monitoring his minutes the whole time and like. Yeah, like that was really uh, a really bad move by Kerr because he was supposed to play him like three, four minutes first throughout the game, but he just kept him in there. Um, and I think that that was probably a mix of both. Kerr not wanting to get a, like, a good lead at the beginning and Durant not wanting to sub out. But I think Kerr should have forced him out. And, um, yeah, that was like one of the big mistakes that he made, the Kerr made in the finals. And he, he got completely out-coached by Nick Nurse in the entire finals. He couldn't find an answer for that box and one. Um, and he did have a lot of injuries, but it was really surprising how he wasn't trying new things to try to get Curry open whenever they would pull out the box and one. Yeah, so I think if if Durant didn't come back and they lost in game five, I think Durant would have stayed because it shows he's more valuable <laughs> to the franchise. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I 100% agree. I think he would have stayed and tried to win uh, more championships because uh, I, I feel like him staying out the entire uh, finals and them losing would have validated uh, validated his rings more um, because a lot of people are giving him shit for joining the 73 and 9 win team. I, I think people so, still are. 
Yeah, so I mean, wh- why do you think Durant wants out? I mean, is it because there's some internal strife going on with the, him and Draymond or some other players? Or obviously, there's kind of been reports that uh, the Warriors medical staff uh, misdiagnosed his injury. Like initially, I mean, they've always they haven't really been telling the truth of it about it. And then also, Jay Williams at ESPN was really mad about how the Warriors handled the whole thing. I think he's like kind of like business partners or something with Duran and his agent. So what's kind of Duran's reasoning for leaving? Is, do you think it's all the, the stuff that's gone on this season? Or do you think it's because of that stigma that's still there from Durant joining a, a loaded Warriors team that he blew a 3-1 lead to in 2016? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. I feel like he, I mean, he has to be at least a little upset at the war uh, uh, about the Achilles injury. And though it's not 100% the Warriors' fault, I feel like they should have sat him out the entire series and the stuff with Dream On as well, where he said, like, leave, we don't need you, we want without you. Um, and also, yeah, I feel like he wants to prove that he can go and win somewhere else, like a team like Brooklyn who hasn't, really had any playoff success since, like, Jason Kidd in, like, 2002 when they made the finals back-to-back years. Um, so, I think, it, I think yeah, because he is, like, a type of person that cares a lot about what other people think of him. Uh, we've seen that with his burner accounts and the way he handles interviews <laughs> and such. So, I, I do think... He's going to leave and prove himself, try to prove himself, um, most likely in uh, Brooklyn. Okay, I mean... So I guess kind of going back to the Warriors, I mean, what's their plan, obviously, if they don't sign Durant? I mean, do they have room for another free agent after signing Clay? Uh, no, I think even if Durant leaves, I believe they're still... Um, over the cap. But I don't think they have room to sign anyone. I think they still have their MLE, their mid-level exception. Um, so, uh, I don't know what type of player they could get for that. DeMarcus Cousins is gone. You don't think DeMarcus could stay for mid-level exception? I mean, he can kind of prove himself and we clay out and Durant gone, his stats can go up. Yeah, but... Uh, um, like he already had an Instagram post like thanking the Warriors for and like all the team damn like the Warriors and stuff and a story like a, a week or two ago so that's Shit. why I think he's gone because he he, re, he injured his quad so I, I think he knows like his body uh, is a lot more injury prone now especially since he tore his Achilles yeah he wants as much guaranteed money as he can get I mean, he wants $15 million, but do you think he's going to get that, or what do you think he's going to get? Honestly, a lot of teams have cast it, and some team is going to throw it at him. I, I think he'll get it. Even guys like 
Yeah, you guys like Tobias Harris. I feel like they're gonna get overpaid. Tobias will get it. He, I think he deserves it. I mean, yeah. he's not. Um, I'm not. I don't. I don't think he's a max player. He's not a max player, but he's like twenty million, I'd say. Uh yeah, but I I think some team's gonna throw the max at him. <laughs> uh, yeah, players are always overpaid. I mean, there's a there's a lot of players you can name that are overpaid. Okay, so given that with the Warriors, obviously Clay gonna be out most of the season. The, yeah. I think all three of us don't really think we're they're re-signing Durant. I don't. I don't personally. So given yeah, that, uh, is do we see uh, a a season for Curry kind of similar to what Harden was doing, kind of carrying the offense, and is is that something that Curry is capable of through a 80, 82 game season? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's already done it before with the 2016 team. And uh, that was, he averaged, uh, 30, he averaged like 30 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists on a 50-40-90 shooting split. Um, so that's just crazy efficiency. That's unheard of at that volume. So I feel like he, he's going to have similar stats to that season. Um but the Warriors are a really weak team outside of him and Draymond until um, until Clay comes back at least because Iguodala can't play heavy minutes in the regular season. He's already old. Um, I feel like they need Sean Livingston to retire. What about Iguodala? Do you think he really retired too? I think he'll play another season, but he's, he's going to save his energy for the playoffs for sure. Like he's probably going to miss like 30 games in the regular season. Come off the bench, you know, and just coast, save his energy for the playoffs, and it's all deserved because he is a really good player, and they need him for the playoffs. Um, so I feel like Curry will carry them to like the fourth, like the fourth or the fifth seed, Curry and Draymond. Um, and then, but I feel like they could be really underrated uh, in the playoffs when uh, Clay Thompson comes back next season, especially since they're not going to be deep. And uh, lose, uh, most likely if they lose Durant, teams aren't going to expect them to do as much. Yeah, I mean, whether they lose Durant or not, he's out for the season. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like they'll probably make uh, they'll, they'll make the playoffs. They'll probably make the second round. Um but just because their roster is uh, outside of, like, Curry, Durant, and Clay is going to be so bad whether Durant leaves or stays that I don't see them making a deep run next year. Yeah, I think Kevon Looney's also gone. Uh, is he an uh, unrestricted free agent? I think he's restricted. I think Warriors will, Warriors will pay him. He's really good. He's, like, the perfect center for the Warriors. He's good at defense, good at uh, boxing out, uh, getting putbacks and offensive rebounds, uh, making hustle plays with screens. Uh, so I think I think Warriors will sign him. Okay, and then maybe going back to some other free agents, uh, who are some other guys outside of those main guys that you think can really make an impact, and where do you see them going? Uh, Kemba Walker, I feel 
feel like is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. I think he's a top five, top four point guard. But it's just that he's been in Charlotte, and he's always had a mediocre team around him. Um, but people don't really pay attention to him. But I feel like if he signs somewhere, and I was thinking about this earlier, that if Kawhi resigns for the Raptors, and Lowry is a free agent, so you let Lowry walk, and you sign Kemba Walker, and Lowry's a free agent this season? I believe so. Oh, okay. I think I was thinking that too, but I'm not sure. Uh, I might be mistaken, but I believe he is. Um, so, um, or if the Lakers do want another star instead of death, if they get him, if they get him or Kawhi, but I don't think Kawhi's going to go to the Lakers. Cause I think Kawhi's not going to the Lakers. No chance. I'm a Laker fan, and I'll say that right now. Okay. So if they get, if they get Kemba, like they, they're, they're by far the favorites to win. Um, even if they have, like, a, a, even if they have no bench. The thing is, like like we said earlier, the Lakers can get one A player or three B players. Like, yeah. It's you, you uh, pick. I, uh, I think it's better for them to get three B players, personally. Yeah, I agree 100%. But out of the guys that you said that would make a, kick, a big impact in the league would be um, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, um, Vucevic. Could really have an impact if he goes to like a good team. Um, and yeah, I, I don't. I'm not really a big fan of Tobias Harris. And I feel like Clay Thompson is gonna sign. Uh, Kyrie, as well. There's been talks that he might go to the Lakers, <laughs> but I don't know what he's gonna do. Um, and I don't think I think that would be like the worst move for the Lakers if they get Kyrie. Okay, so uh, talking about all these free agents, the Lakers traded D'Angelo Russell to clear up cap for LeBron, and now they can possibly sign him back. What do you think of uh, re- uh, bringing back D'Lo? D'Lo is one of my favorite players, but they shouldn't spend a lot of cap spending on him. They should either you go for one of the big superstars if you want to use all your cap space on one player, like Kemba Walker, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, or you get depth. You get depth. There's no point in signing uh, just regular all-stars. Yeah, I agree on this one. I, I actually like Kemba out of all these people because, like I said, Kawhi's not coming. I don't. Jimmy Butler is good, but I think they need a point guard. They already have, like, the small forward, kind of power forward guy who plays D in LeBron and Kuzma. And I think they need a point guard at this point, a, a really good starting point guard. And I think Kemba would perfectly fit in. Yeah, I, I feel the same way as well. Yeah, I mean, you need a guy that's going to kind of uh, be ball dominant, I think, because LeBron at this point in his career can't be as ball dominant as, as he's used to being. Just because of the 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 amount of minutes that he's uh, accumulated, and then just I mean it's like fifteen straight seasons I think of or or like sixty plus games something like that sixty five plus games so and then you mentioned all the other the eight straight uh, finals runs too so that's just a lot of minutes playoffs and regular season combined 
And then just one other question in regards to the Clippers. Uh, if they sign Kawhi, they have a starting lineup of what? Uh, Gilgis Alexander, Landry Shamit, Kawhi Leonard, Gallinari, and Montrez Harrell. Uh, where do you see that in the, in the Western Conference, them finishing rebound? I really don't know because uh, yeah, obviously adding Kawhi is a huge thing, but then a lot of players' numbers are going to fall off. Gallinari is the most, one of the most injury-prone players in the NBA right now. He's injured all the time. Gilgis Alexander is definitely uh, up and coming. He's going to be really good. I re- I'm a huge fan of Montrez Harrell. He's good. Hustle player. Kind of like a Joachim Noah guy. And I, I really don't know too much about Landry Shamit. He definitely looks good up and coming, but... I don't know what to expect from him. And then, obviously, Lou Williams' numbers are going to drop off the bench. I think he's only going to average, like, 15 points a game instead of dropping, like, 30 to 35. All right, Herman, what do you think about the Clippers? If they sign Kawhi, where where do you think they finish in the West? Well, I mean, Kawhi is, like, uh, he proved it this year. He's, he's a guy that can just completely carry a team. And the Warriors and the Clippers have good, really good coaching. Jerry Russell makes the moves that they need to make during the regular season, and they already have a lot of good guys to put around them. Um, so I think they finish top five in the West if they sign him for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I would say I would say five or six. But they're 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 one of the top favorites according to Vegas if they do sign Kawhi. Vegas has, like, Raptors third right now and Clippers fourth. They're just, like, kind of hedging it wherever Kawhi goes because you never know with Kawhi. He's just a weird guy. Yeah, um, yeah. but then he, I, I do feel like he's going to stay in Toronto. If he stays in Toronto, do you think he's going to sign a five-year deal, a, a two-year kind of Kevin Durant deal, or what do you think? Uh, well, his injury is... Uh, I think it's like, um, I don't know what the word for it is, but like it doesn't completely go away and it just gets worse. So I feel like he's going to try to go for guaranteed money over uh, doing one one plus ones. Yeah. Who, Kawhi? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because, I mean, even during the playoffs, even as good as he was playing, I mean... You kind of saw him like limping around here and there, right? He was kind of picking his spots from what I saw. Yeah. And then, I mean, when they when they were playing against Philly, I th- I thought it was like I I completely wrote Toronto off after that. I mean, I was like, I mean, Kawhi has to take forty shots, and you guys barely win on four bounces. So I mean, but <laughs> luckily for thankfully for him, uh, guys, other guys stepped up. Like Siakam had a, his couple games. Uh, Danny Green and obviously Fred Van Vliet. I mean, he was really the the difference maker in that fourth quarter, Game Six. I think he scored like fourteen, fifteen points or something. Yeah, in the fourth quarter, fourteen points, and Kyle Lowry at the game of his life, twenty-six, seven, and ten. Yeah, so I mean, it was good to see Kyle Lowry. I mean, he's he's definitely gotten a bad rap, and uh, I haven't really been a uh, too confident in him even this season so I mean he kind of shook that off that's good for him and good for his reputation I guess but so I mean if he stays with the Raptors Kawhi I mean are they 
the favorites in the East, you think, again? Or what do you think? You think Milwaukee kind of overtakes them with a little bit experience? I mean, what do you think happens in the East if Kawhi stays there? I think they're still the favorites unless Brooklyn forms a super team or something. Uh, Milwaukee, they have a lot of free agents. so And I don't think they'll be able to keep a lot of that, all of them. Um, like, I know Brooke Lopez and Middleton are free agents. Middleton, they'll keep. And Brogdon, too. Uh, yeah, Brogdon's a free agent. Um, so I feel like they're going to be worse than last year. I feel like last year was their opportunity. And... Uh, and they lost to the Raptors. So I feel like the Raptors are most likely going to be favorites again, unless the super team forms in Brooklyn. Um, but if Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris both re-sign in Philly, they're going to be really dangerous too because they took Toronto to seven games and they lost by four bounces, like you mentioned. And now they're going to have an entire regular season to get that chemistry together. I don't think... The reports are saying no chance of both of them coming back, and there's a good chance. I mean, there's no chance that uh, they both come back, and there's a good chance that not, neither both of them d- just leave. So it's either only one's coming back or none. I, th- I think Jimmy is going to come back because he's a competitive guy, and I think he, he believes that they can win. He can win it all with... Uh, and beat Simmons. And the, another thing is, like, the, if, I, if I'm the 76ers right now, as crazy as it sounds, and I'm following what Colin Coward says, I trade Joel Embiid. As, as you're going you're gonna to call me crazy, you're going to call me stupid, I would trade Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid cannot play together. They're just not the right fit, and uh, I, I would cash in while, while, while you can. The guy's injury-prone. And he's a great player. I'm not taking away from him, but I, I would get a, you can get a lot for Embiid right now. Uh, like, who do you think they could get for Embiid? I don't know. It depends who who, who which team they go, they they offer it to. But everyone will be on it. I mean, at this oh. point, I mean, there's both really young, so I think you got to let it play out some more, right? I mean. You gotta kind of. Uh, I think you got you kind of gotta go for it. I mean, with these guys, I I think they're Embiid is what like twenty three, Simmons is like twenty one. So you got you gotta kind of make a run for it uh, a few more years at least before you want to break it up before the contract situations become uh, difficult to decide and kind of uh, dole out. So. Obviously, yeah, Embiid is injury prone. I mean, I think that's kind of a big reason that they had difficulty with Toronto. I mean, Embiid was not, I think at least the first four games was not fully right, I believe. So, I mean, we'll see what happens there. But, I mean, they're probably going to lose two out of the three between Redick, uh, Butler, and Tobias Harris, right? So, I mean... Yeah, and uh, I feel like instead of... Trading MB, they should force Simmons to practice and get a jump shot. Yeah, he's got to do that, no doubt. I agree with like, that. Like, he, yeah, like for them to get to the next level, he needs to develop a jump shot. Yeah, especially uh, with Harris or Butler gone. One of them is leaving, I mean. Yeah, like he, he doesn't even have to become like a sharpshooter. He just has to shoot it 
at a decent clip. Yeah, exactly. Like, they give him, like, 10 to feet from the three-point line. Yeah, yeah, to the point where the defense has to come and guard him, and they'll take him to the next level. Um, it's kind of funny and sad that he's an NBA player, and he has, like, no shot at all. <laughs> It's pretty ridiculous if you think about it. Yeah, I agree. He's already had like, um, like what, like three years of NBA training because he sat out the first year, and he still can't shoot at all. So I think the Warriors' development should go more. The Warriors' staff should go more towards um, forcing him to getting a jump shot rather than exploring options to trade and be. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, he's got to develop at least somewhere like a 15 20% range from three, right? Because, I mean, he doesn't even shoot threes now, right? So Yeah, even if he's wide open, he won't shoot it. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that's definitely kind of an odd thing you see. I mean, even if a, a player's bad, like, at least they can make, like, 20% of the threes, right? So, but, I mean, yeah, I mean... Yeah, Toronto would have to be the favorite at least. I mean, considering we, all the points we just discussed. But I guess with that being said, I mean, I think we covered all the major topics of free agency. Anything else uh, either one of you guys want to throw in? I mean, in regards to something else that might be a major play or major player moving around? What do you guys think? Um, as far as player movement, I feel like. We covered everything. Um, I do, I think. Uh, but on another topic, I think that the Atlanta Hawks are really underrated, especially with with their young core, and they're going to do a lot better than people expected. They're going to be like the Sacramento Kings of this previous season. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Trey Young, I mean, offensively is really good. I mean, defense obviously still a little shaky. And then you throw in those two, their two draft picks with Hunter and Reddish, and then and got, uh, John, Collins. John Collins as well. Yeah. So and then and Huerter. Yeah, Kevin Werder. Yeah. Huerter. Yeah, and then they got DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish this year. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made like the eighth seed. Yeah, I mean it's definitely possible. I mean for them to sneak into one of those last uh, spots in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I mean if they if a lot of things go right for them. So, Rebound, anything else from you? What? You, anything else you want to throw in? Nope. I uh, hope everything goes well for the Lakers. Let's go. All right. Well, I mean, it should be an exciting uh, weekend coming up with all the free agency, all the, the news breaking from Woj and Ch- Shams and all those other reporters. So, we'll see what happens there. But uh, wanted to thank you both for coming on. Haroon, thank you so much. Rebound, thank you guys so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. Yeah, no worries, bro. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me on, Zeebo. And thank you, thank you for listening, everybody. Hope you guys enjoy all the free agency moves that happened this weekend. And I'll be back in about two weeks to discuss all of them.